0: It's Amy's Table, A Girl's
1: Guide to Living, with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Laura Shapiro was a columnist at The Real Paper in Boston before beginning a 16-year run at Newsweek, where she covered food, women's issues and the arts, and won several journalism awards. Since then, she's been writing and speaking widely on culinary history. And her field of expertise, according to Laura, is basically women and Jell-O. And it hasn't changed much over the years, so she likes to think her analysis has deepened. Her books include Perfection Salad, Something from the Oven, Julia Child, and most recently, What She Ate, Six Remarkable Women and the Food That Tells Their Stories. And Laura's joining me today on Amy's Table. Laura, welcome. I'm so happy to talk to you today.
0: Thank you. It's very nice to be here.
1: The Collection of Women is amazing. Uh, poet and diarist Dorothy Wordsworth, the sister of William. British chef Rosa Lewis. She was known as the Queen of Cooks, and one of her champions included King Edward the Seventh, the First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, Hitler's mistress and eventual wife, Ava Braun, British novelist Barbara Pym, and writer and publisher Helen Gurley Brown. And, you know, I know we don't have time to cover all of them, but Helen Gurley Brown, talk about Tell Me What You Eat and I'll Tell You Who You Are. (laughs) That, and I stop and I think, you know, I was reading her books and her magazines when she was publisher of Cosmo and putting out those books. And I've got to tell you, I actually even made her tuna salad with the egg whites in it for a while. But she, oh, she she is shocking. And I look back and feel like, wow, we were also manipulated by her. Can can you tell us a little bit about her?
0: That really she's a very interesting character, incredibly successful, and in in a way, a great publisher, as you know, she turned around cosmopolitan, it was a failing women's magazine. she turned it into a powerhouse that redefined magazine journalism for women. so she had a huge career that way. But the fact is, uh if you've ever seen pictures of her, she's skinny as a little rail, yeah, and she feared and hated food. That is, I, I shouldn't use the word hate. She definitely feared it. She did hate it. She also loved it. She was entranced by it. What I found when I went through her archives and letters and papers was that on millions of issues that relate to the time and place and the people she was trying to reach, all these women's issues, she was right on the, the button. That's why Cosmopolitan was successful. She was able to reach through and hit exactly the tone that people would respond to and say the things that were going to reach people. That is why you went out there and made that tuna salad. I
1: know, but you know, I think it, you said in the, in the book that her ultimate, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but her ultimate value was being thin to entice a man.
0: Exactly. So on food, That was her one weak point. Not only were the recipes kind of all over the map and really peculiar, and in some ways they could have come from a women's magazine of of a generation or two earlier. They were not so much of the moment. They were weird. And her whole approach to food was everywhere. Everything else about her was so precise and specific. Her approach to food ranged from, uh, she'll be interviewed one day and she'll say, oh, I love to eat. My favorite dish is pasta with this delicious cream and mushroom sauce. And she would talk about that. Two days later, she's interviewed by somebody else. I never eat. I hate food. I would rather be hungry. I feel as though if I eat, I'm going to feel guilty about it. So that's why I eat only diet gelatin and tuna fish salad every day. Her story changed from interview to interview and from day to day. The the one thing that she was consistent about was this fanatic thing about being thin. Yeah. She truly felt that if you had one ounce of flesh on you that was even visible, much less unnecessary, right? you would never attract a man. And despite the fact that she called herself a feminist and she genuinely believed in equal pay,
1: control
0: and abortion, all the issues that were the feminist important things starting in the 60s. She was right there with all of them. But but on top of everything else, your life was going to be meaningless. You could be a rocket scientist. Your life was going to be meaningless if you couldn't attract a man. And that was was kind of the driving force in her life. And, And you could not attract a man. If you weren't rail thin, and she herself to to the end of her days, people talk about her skinny as can be, with these
1: skeletal, things. literally skeletal. You know, she yeah. and and in the book, I love how you mention that she's hiding appetizers and desserts and couch cushions in people's houses, and when someone's mm-hmm. not looking, pouring champagne into some her champagne into someone else's glass. I mean, it's just like maniacal. But then, you know, Ava Braun was another char- character, listen to me, not a character, a, a person that you, you covered. And um, she also had a very strange relationship with food.
0: She did. It was uh, far more kind of darker and more complicated, obviously, than uh, than anyone in the book. She, you know, There's a vast moral distance between most of these women and Ava Braun. Her relationship with food, like everything else in her life, sprang right out of her romantic fixation on Hitler. She uh, she was she was not uh, born and raised a Nazi at all. She came from a very nice, proper family who was not. They were not very political. They did not like Hitler. He was crude and vulgar. She wasn't raised to this. But um, when she was a teenager, actually, she met him uh, in the photography studio where she worked, and uh, he's 23 years older, not very prepossessing, as you know if you've seen a picture of him. For some reason, this was the guy she fell for. I sometimes feel like she's like one of those... Girls that starts writing to a serial killer in prison and falls in love with him. I mean, he wasn't a serial killer at that time. He was rising in the Nazi party, but wasn't super famous yet. Right. But, but, but that's him. That's what he was going to become. At any rate, she falls in love with him and enters his orbit. And there were kind of two things about food that stand out there. First of all, she, uh, She was always very, very concerned about her figure. She had this dream that after the war, when they had won the war and conquered the world, Hitler was going to make her a movie star. She would star in their story. There would be a movie about them, and she would be the movie star. This is a girl. She had gone to high school, basically, but she never read. She had no kind of not a brain in her head. She read a lot of movie magazines and fashion magazines, so this was her dream of glory. So she constantly worked to keep herself slim she wasn't a fanatic dieter the way uh, Helen Gurley Brown was but she ate carefully and she and and you know tried to eat salads and fruits and things like that where is she eating where is this taking place this the the table that we know about it's a dining table in uh, in bavaria in the bavarian hills and mountains where hitler had his uh, sort of a summer house, except he was there as much as he could be all year. It was his favorite place to be up up on this uh, mountaintop over Salzburg. And she spent a great deal of time there kind of waiting for him to show up. She had no other life, really, except to wait for Hitler to show up. She was kept largely out of sight because uh, the the great leader of the German nation was not supposed to have a, you know, a, a mistress half his age at his side. So right. She, she's always kept hidden. She could come out at mealtime when the people at the table were his entourage, the other high level Nazis and their families. Then she could show herself. And again, she's playing a role, and she's only allowed to come into this role in her full glory, as she sees it, at the lunch table and the dinner table. So it's around food. It's where the Nazi family has gathered, and she is the consort of the person that she describes as the greatest man in the world. She always dressed beautifully, and she would dress for these meals, and she would preside. This is where she came into her own And she came into her own around the table, not because of the food, but but because of everything else that a dinner table represents. Food brings us together. Food is about love. Food is about family. Food is about connectedness. Food solves our problems. Food makes us better people. Those are the things that we always read about food and food history. Well, it was happening to Nazis. They, too, could could feel those things and it allowed them to kind of compartmentalize and you know if they were the lovely charming good people gathered at the family table how could they possibly be the same people who went out murdering children the next day it, it, it allowed them all to live in a bubble it was this bubble of goodness and the rightness of their cause that's what happens at a family dinner table and it. For Eva Braun, whatever guilt or uncertainty she may have had about affixing her life to Hitler, it would have been swept away when she was allowed to come downstairs in this beautiful gown and be on the arm of this wonderful man and preside at the table. So the whole picture is so
1: Creepy. It is
0: it's not, creepy, it's <laughs> and and to be written about
1: the way that you describe the moments before she and Hitler took their own life at the end is just amazing. You've got to check out the book. It is called What She Ate. Six Remarkable Women and the Food That Tells Their Stories. And I really highly recommend this book. It is fascinating. And Laura, you've done such a beautiful job writing it. I I hope you cover six more women soon. you can find more about Laura and her other books at laurashapirowriter.com, laurashapirowriter.com. And again, the book is What She Ate, Six Remarkable Women and the Food That Tells Their Stories. Laura, it has been a pleasure having you on Amy's Table today. And I look forward to meeting you and talking more about this book later this spring.
0: Thank you. It's been great to do this. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q102. you want out to